Hey guys, you're listening to Brief. This is Bree. I'm Danica. And this is episode two of The Great Gatsby. We're going over chapters five through seven. Chapter five is when things get steamy. Ooh, sexy. Is that a good word? Yeah, it's it makes me think of Titanic in the car. R.I.P. Jack. So chapter five. Nick gets home from his tea with Jordan and Gatsby is outside obviously super anxious and showing no chill whatsoever and asks him if he wants to hang out and Nick says no probably because it's like 3 a.m at this point and then Nick's like but don't worry I'll invite Daisy to tea and Gatsby's like trying to act all nonchalant like oh like not a big deal you don't have to you're not fooling anyone yeah like now's not the time to start playing it cool I bought a house across the bay from you, but no, 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 no. Like, it's chill. Like, whatever you want to do. It's fine. I don't care that much. Yeah. I've just invested my entire life around this. <laughs> so the next day, Nick calls Daisy and invites her to come to tea the following day and tells her not to bring Tom. Ooh. So Gatsby sends his little servant workers over to Nick's house and they, like, mow his lawn and primp his yard and bring over a bajillion flowers and the next day Gatsby comes over early. Daisy is supposed to be there at 4 p.m. and it's 3.58 and Gatsby literally freaks out and yells, she's not coming. <laughs> and Nick's like, dude, relax. And then like five seconds later, Daisy pulls up. So Nick goes out to meet her and she's like, why did, could I not bring Tom? Are you secretly in love with me or something? Which, like, Daisy, that's your cousin. Have some boundaries. So they come back inside, and when they get inside, Gatsby's just gone, and Nick is very confused. And then a minute later, Gatsby knocks on the door. He's now soaking wet because it's pouring rain outside. And now it just looks like he saw from his house, he saw Daisy pull up, and he sprinted from his house in the pouring rain to come and knock on the door. Like, it looks worse now. Gatsby, way worse. Anyway, uh, he walks in and him and Daisy make eye contact and no one speaks for a minute. And then Daisy finally says, I certainly am awfully glad to see you again in her, like, you know, sexy voice. Anyway, the scene's pretty awkward. And then Daisy tells Nick that they haven't seen each other in years and <laughs> And way too quickly, Gatsby responds, five years next November. <laughs> like he knows the exact date of the last time he saw her. And that's just like something that you don't reveal. That's like in today's time being like, oh, like I saw you have four brothers and one sister when I stalked you on social media last night. Or like, how was your time in Spain? I don't know that about you. Yeah, not a good thing. So Nick feels super awkward, so he just makes them an excuse and leaves them alone in the house, and he goes outside in the pouring rain and sits under a tree <laughs> for 30 minutes to give them time to talk. And when he goes back in the house, he finds them sitting together on the same couch, and Nick notices that there is a change in Gatsby and says he was just glowing and super happy. And Gatsby decides to take them over to his house and give them a tour and he spends the entire tour looking at Daisy and making sure that she's enjoying it 
and that she's super impressed. Nick says that he never stopped looking at Daisy and he revalued everything in his house according to the measure of a response it drew from her well-loved eyes. His obsession is a little extreme. Anyway, yeah, so Gatsby had spent the last five years creating this fantasy of Daisy and right in this specific moment of him giving her a tour, she's living up to it and he's so happy about it, but that won't always be the case. So Gatsby shows her the yard and then ah, reveals to her that he can see the light at the end of her dock from across the bay. Like, dude, (laughs) don't tell her that. The art of disclosure. That's like saying, oh my gosh, from the tree in my backyard, if I climb to the top branch, I can see inside your freaking window. So don't reveal that, Gatsby. And I'm sure Daisy thought it was sweet, but it's just a little extreme. Anyway. It's a bit much. Yeah. Which we're not against you, Gatsby. We're with you. But we just like want you to cool it. Yeah, just cool it. Anyway, Nick, they go inside and Nick asks about a man in a picture that Gatsby has framed in his room. And Gatsby tells him that it's his friend, Dan Cody, who's dead now, which is important to remember later. And then Nick leaves them alone because he doesn't want to be the third wheel. And I'm going to read this next paragraph because it's my actual favorite thing about this book. And it just totally sums up the theme of like fantasy and illusion in the book. Anyway, this is how it goes. As I went over to say goodbye, I saw that the expression of bewilderment had come back into Gatsby's face as though a faint doubt had occurred to him as to the quality of his present happiness. Almost five years. There must have been moments even that afternoon when Daisy tumbled short of his dreams, not through her own fault, but because of the colossal vitality of his illusion. It had gone beyond her, beyond everything. He had thrown himself into it with a creative passion, adding to it all the time, decking it out with every bright feather that drifted his way. No amount of fire or freshness can challenge what a man will store up in his ghostly heart. Boom. That sums everything up. (laughs) (laughs) End of chapter five. (laughs) No, I love that. That's literally, that's my favorite quote maybe of all time is that last sentence. Also, that's on page 95 so that we don't get in trouble for plagiarism or something. So yeah, Gatsby and Daisy met again for the first time in five years. That was chapter five. Okay, chapter six. All right, so a reporter comes to Gatsby's house asking about his life. So Nick, like, tells us the truth about Gatsby's life that he doesn't find out until much later, but he's telling us about it now. So his real name is James Gatz, and when he was 17, he changed it to Gatsby. And on that day, he took a boat out onto Lake Superior to ride out and warn a yacht that a storm was coming, and the owner of the yacht is called Dan Cody. And Gatsby introduces himself as Jay Gatsby. And Cody was like, oh, you warned me. I'm going to take you in. James Gatz was born to, quote, unsuccessful farm people in North Dakota. And he never really accepted them as his parents, which is so odd. Like, even as a child, like, you're poor, you're not my parents. <laughs> I don't associate with you. He attended a small college in Minnesota, but dropped out very quickly after a few weeks because he didn't like working as a janitor for tuition. 
because he was poor. I mean, I'd rather, I feel like I would rather work as a janitor than have to pay off my gigantic student loans that I have right now. 100%. Except what kind of janitor? That's true. Because if I have to clean up throw up, I don't know. Okay, so yeah, he was like, I'm not going to be a janitor, bye. So then he went to Lake Superior and worked as a salmon fisher and other various things, basically anything that could get him a place to sleep and some food. And then um, Nick says that he knew women early, which basically like Jay Gatsby started getting it on with girls at a very young age. It's like the biblical way of saying like he knew her, which means he slept with her. It's a weird way to put it, but all right. And he's spoiled by the women he slept with. And he didn't like young girls because they were clingy. Yeah. Well, he didn't like any of them, really. Like, yeah. he didn't like the young ones because they were in- ignorant. And he didn't like the other ones because they were hysterical and self-absorbed or whatever. Yeah. So he just was like, I mean, uh, you're giving me what I want, but I don't want you. He was basically like a prostitute. Yeah. <laughs> Is that too mean to say? Because he would just sleep with them and they would spoil him with money and gifts and stuff. All right, so then he, like, in this period, it's, like, he probably always fantasized about a different, better life. But, like, this is when he, like, really indulges himself in his fantasies. And, like, they kept him, I don't even know if satisfied is the right word. But, like, he was, like, fine just, like, fantasizing about it for a little while. But then he was, like, "Mm, I need more. Basically, his entire life has never been grounded in reality. Mm -mm. It's always been an unreality. (laughs) A fantasy. Um, Dan Cody was 50 when Gatsby met him, and he was impressed by Gatsby's willingness to go out and be like, hey, dude, there's a storm. So he made him his assistant and dressed him, and, you know, Gatsby started looking really nice. Cody was an alcoholic, and Gatsby was like, don't drink. Don't do this. You should get help. Um, but Cody didn't listen. They worked for together for five years, but Cody passed away. Um, and because of Gatsby's experience, he's like not into drinking a ton. When Cody died, he left $25,000 to Gatsby, but Cody's dumb mistress didn't let him have it. So he was just screwed. Um, and he was like, all right, you know what? I'm going to commit myself to do whatever it takes to become a a successful man. And that's where his little journey begins. So back to present day, Nick doesn't see Gatsby and Daisy for a while after they first meet. They kind of just like go under the radar. Next time he sees Gatsby is at his house. Tom is also there, which is surprising. He's there with a couple, Mr. and Mrs. Sloan, and they're riding horses. I think Gatsby, doesn't Gatsby invite them to his house? Yeah, he like invites them in and they're like, oh, sorry, we already have a dinner. And then they feel awkward, like they have to invite him, but nobody wants him to come. Yeah, so they invite him and it's just kind of like a courtesy invite. But he doesn't catch on to that. He doesn't catch on. And so he's like, let me go change. And they're like, "Ah, crap. And then they just leave. They just bounce. Which is so mean. Mm -hmm. He just wants friends. But in this, like, awkward exchange, Gatsby, like, casually mentions that he knows Tom's wife. And Tom does not like that. He's like, "Uh, what? You know my wife? No. I don't like that she runs around on her own so much. So sure enough, the next party, Tom rolls up with Daisy because she's not allowed to go anywhere on her own anymore. And, like, nobody has a good time because Tom's there and Tom sucks. And at one point, 
Tom asks Daisy if it's okay if he goes and has dinner with some people and he's vague about it. And she says, yeah. And she's like, here's a pen just in case you want to take down some numbers because she knows it's a chick. Mm -hmm. Which, like, the passive aggressiveness. But also, like, Tom, you're coming to this party with Daisy because you don't want her flirting with Gatsby. But then you leave her alone with Gatsby because you're going to go flirt with some other women? Yeah, like, get your priorities in order. My favorite, though, is that Daisy, when Tom leaves, Daisy's like, hey, Nick, I saw the girl. She's common, but pretty. Yeah. <laughs> like, she's she's nothing special, but she looks nice. So, yeah, he goes and has, like, a little rendezvous. Then they are waiting outside for their car. Tom accuses Gatsby of being a bootlegger because that's how he gets his money. And doesn't Daisy get mad at him? Probably. For saying that? Yeah, I think Daisy's like, no, he's not. Well, Nick, Nick is the one that... Yeah. Nick says, trust me, that's not how he has his money. Don't worry about that. And then Nick stays late because Gatsby wants him to. And Gatsby's so worried that Daisy didn't have a good time. And he feels so distant from her. And just as being like very insecure and very annoying. And then Gatsby tells Nick that he wants Daisy to tell Tom that she wants a divorce. But like he's very specific about it. And like says like this is exactly what I want you to say. Basically discredit everything that's happened over the last four years. So then Gatsby can be like okay it's just like it was five years ago. And none of this ever happened. We're just, like, canceling out these four years. Which, okay, buddy, you can't do that. Mostly because they have a child. You can't just, like, pretend that she wasn't married to someone else and doesn't have a child. But if he doesn't pretend that, then his fantasy doesn't come true. Yeah, so he he's in a pickle. Which way do you go? You know, pretend the human doesn't exist? <laughs> it works for him. Or accept reality <laughs> i don't know hard one to do um he says it's just it's going to be just as it was five years ago and nick says well you can't repeat the past and gatsby's like excuse me yeah you can i'm sorry what that's so weird for you to think that like yeah i can i can fix everything and it's just going to be how it was before and we're going to pick up right where we left off and it's going to be great yeah so basically he's so deeply attached to what they had five years ago that he can't even accept that like oh maybe it's going to be a little bit different and it'll be better it's just no it has to be what it was yeah like he's risking losing a future with her because he's so obsessed with having the past like he's so obsessed with repeating the past and pretending like the last five years didn't happen that he's risking his whole future with her when it's like she's into you dude yeah just chill a little bit just, like, be a normal human. Yeah, and she would leave Tom for you, for sure. Yeah, easily. As long as you weren't, like, your daughter doesn't exist. <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe don't do that. Even though she, like, doesn't seem to be too concerned about her, but, you know, whatever. So then Gatsby starts telling Nick about their first kiss, and, like, there are some red flags, <laughs> to say the least. Like, if my friend started telling me about their, like, Brie, if you started telling me, about the first time you kissed a guy that you're still really into and you said these things, I'd be like, oh, oh, uh -oh. oh, no. Like, I need to get her some help, like professional help. So basically, I don't want to read the whole thing. Ugh, can you read it? You're a better reader. 
Oh yeah, I'll read it. Okay, this is Nick describing how Gatsby said it to him. So he says, his heart beat faster and faster as Daisy's white face came up to his own. He knew that when he kissed this girl and forever wed his unutterable visions to her perishable breath, his mind would never romp again like the mind of God. So he waited, listening for a moment longer to the tuning fork that had been struck upon a star. Then he kissed her. At his lips touch, she blossomed for him like a flower, and the incarnation was complete. Like. Like, so beautiful, but so insane. So alarming. So incarnation, the definition, is a person who embodies a deity or god. So he thinks that she's a goddess. In that moment, she becomes a goddess to him and he like worships her and you don't ever want to be in a relationship where you're worshipped because you're not on equal ground unless okay I don't want to say because you don't want to be worshipped but like if you're mutually feeling this way about each other sure sure but if one or the other of you is like way more obsessed it's not gonna work yeah But it is interesting because Danica and I were talking about this earlier, how this book is about worship. Gatsby idolizes Daisy and literally would, I want to say he would do anything to be with her, but he won't. Yeah, because he won't accept things as they are. He just wants it how he wants it and there's no other possible way. Yeah. Anyway. That's chapter six. So we get a better understanding of Gatsby's mental state. It's like teetering. It's like on the brink. He's about to become unhinged. (laughs) Okay, this is chapter seven now. After this, Gatsby's parties stop happening. Nick thinks he's sick, so he goes to check on him and figures out that all of his old servants are gone and they've been replaced with new servants. Gatsby tells him that he fired all the old ones and replaced them with people that he trusts because Daisy comes over a lot and they don't want rumors getting out. So the next day... Gatsby calls Nick and tells him that he stopped having parties because he's been preoccupied with Daisy and he sensed that she didn't like the parties. And then he invites Nick to go to Daisy's house for lunch the next day. Gatsby is going to have lunch with Daisy at Tom Buchanan's house, which is insane to me. Like what a recipe for disaster. Yeah. So it's the hottest day of the year the next day. And Nick goes to East Egg to have lunch at the Buchanan's. Nick and Gatsby are greeted by Daisy and Jordan. And they can hear Tom. He's on the phone in the other room. When the phone call ends, he comes into the room. And Daisy asks him to go make them drinks. So he leaves. And when he's gone, Daisy kisses Gatsby and tells him that she loves him. And then right after that, Daisy's daughter comes into the room. And Gatsby seems surprised to see that she actually exists which we talked about in the last chapter because he never really believed that she existed because she doesn't fit into his fantasy. So he's like, what is this? Anyway, after that, Daisy suggests that everyone goes into the city because they're so freaking hot and they're hoping maybe it's cooler in there, which doesn't make sense because they're by the ocean. Like, go jump in the bay, guys. (laughs) Anyway, Daisy and Gatsby are... They have a really hard time hiding their feelings and Tom catches on and at one point Daisy looks at Gatsby and says, you look so cool, you always look so cool. And Nick says that in that sentence she had told Gatsby that she loved him and Tom Buchanan saw. And he says he was astounded, his mouth opened a little and he looked at Gatsby and then back at Daisy as if he had just recognized her as someone he knew a long time ago. So Tom's freaking out. 
I would lose my mind. Like, if I were Tom. Yeah, because he's like, holy shit, my wife's in love with someone else. And clearly he doesn't care about Daisy that much, but he definitely cares about her being his wife. So Tom's angry, obviously, and he is like, all right, Daisy, you're right. Let's all go into the city. So they jump in the car. Tom and Gatsby decide to switch cars because Tom wants to drive the yellow stage wagon. Station wagon? I just called it the stage wagon. <laughs> the stage. He wants to drive the yellow stage. We're taking the stage today. So Tom, Jordan, and Nick drive the yellow station wagon. And Gatsby and Daisy drive Tom's car. Which does not make sense at all. Like, Well... Daisy didn't really give Tom a choice. She was like, no, I'm riding with Gatsby. Yeah, no, I know. But like, it still doesn't make sense. No, it doesn't at all. So anyway, Tom's pissed. And then on the way, he remembers that Gatsby is like, there's no gas in my car. So he stops at Wilson's in the Valley of Ashes to get gas. And he talks to Wilson for a minute. And Wilson is trying to sell a car to Tom because he needs cash. And Tom asks him why he needs money all of a sudden. And Wilson tells him, that him and his wife want to get away and move west. Tom is obviously taken aback and says, your wife does? And Wilson says that she's wanted to move for years and he's going to make her now, whether she wants to or not. And he says he's discovered something that his wife has been up to and that's why they're leaving. And Nick thinks, when he's watching this, he thinks for a second that Wilson knows that he knows that it's Tom that his wife is sleeping with, but he doesn't. Um, he just knows that she's sleeping with someone. Then Nick, he realizes that Wilson and Tom have just discovered the same thing about their wives. And he says, it occurred to me there was no difference between the men. Which is profound because Wilson is very poor and Tom is very rich. And like, that's all they cared about at the time. Yeah, like wealth and status, sure, they're different. But like in their current situations in life, there's no difference between them. And Tom tells Wilson that he'll send him over the coop tomorrow afternoon. He pays him for the gas and they leave. But before they leave, Nick notices he's looking at the billboard of the giant eyes of TJ Eckelberg. And he realizes that Myrtle Wilson is looking at them through her window of the house. And she doesn't know Nick is looking at her, but he sees Myrtle staring in jealousy at Jordan because she thinks that Jordan is Tom's wife because she doesn't know who Tom's wife is. So Nick says, there's no confusion like the confusion of a simple mind. As we drove away, Tom was feeling the hot whips of panic. His wife and mistress until an hour ago, secure, were both slipping from his control. So Tom's freaking out and he speeds up to catch up to Daisy and Tom. And when they get to New York, they decide to get a suite at the Plaza Hotel, but it's still freaking hot. And at this point, Tom begins to confront Gatsby by mocking his habit of saying old sport because he gets annoyed that he keeps calling Tom old sport. It's like it's like when guys get mad at like another guy calling him bud, like, hey, bud. <laughs> like degrading and so tom feels like it's degrading anyway then he accuses gatsby of lying about having gone to oxford gatsby calmly explains that he went for five months after the war in a program that they offered officers after the armistice and tom then asks what gatsby is trying to do he's like what are you trying to do in my house and gatsby tells tom that daisy never loved him 
and has loved Gatsby the entire time and that she only married Tom because Gatsby was poor and she was tired of waiting for him. And Tom's like, yeah, right, dude. I know she loved me. And then he declares his love for Daisy. And during this fight, Daisy's like, bullshit. (laughs) She doesn't say that. But he, like, Tom's disgusting. This is what he says. He says, Daisy loved me when she married me and she loves me now. And Gatsby's like, no, she doesn't. And he says, she does though. The trouble is that sometimes she gets foolish ideas in her head and doesn't know what she's doing. And what's more, I love Daisy too. Once in a while I go off on a spree and make a fool of myself, but I always come back. And in my heart, I love her all the time. Freaking pig. What a dream. Can you imagine sitting there with your husband and him like, sometimes I have sex with other women, but like I love you all the time. I think of you when I do it. Just so gross. And so Daisy's response is, she says, you're revolting. Anyway, and then she tells the whole room, do you know why we left Chicago? It's because Tom went on a little spree and embarrassed us all. And so we had to leave. And then Gatsby grabs her and he's like, Daisy, it's all over now. It doesn't matter anymore. Just tell him the truth that you never loved him and it's all wiped out forever. And she looked at him and says, why, how could I love him possibly? And Gatsby says again, You never loved him. He's like prodding her, helping her say this thing that he really wants her to say. Nick says she hesitated. Her eyes fell on Jordan and me with a sort of appeal as though she realized at last what she was doing and as though she had never all along intended doing anything at all. But it was done now. It was too late. And she says, I never loved him. And then Tom's like, not even at this point, not even when this happened. And he goes through all these like sweet things he did for her, which the list is small. Then she gets upset and tells Gatsby. She says, you want too much. I love you now. Isn't that enough? I can't help what's past. She's crying and she says, I did love Tom once, but I loved you too. (laughs) And Gatsby flips and he's like, you loved me too? Yeah. He's like, no, no, no. You loved me too? Like, what what are you saying? (laughs) Hold up. He freaks out. And then, so a few notes here. Daisy obviously is failing to live up to Gatsby's fantasy because she's not able to tell Tom that she never loved him. And in order for Gatsby's fantasy to be fulfilled completely, she has to say that she never loved Tom. So Gatsby's panicking. Tom's also panicking because he feels like Daisy's slipping away and he finds it disgusting that she's leaving him for a man like Gatsby. So he starts attacking Gatsby's character in an attempt to get Daisy back. He tells Gatsby that he had him investigated and found out that he sold illegal drugs and alcohol and Gatsby defends himself really well and then Tom blows up again because Gatsby calls him old sport (laughs) and Tom says he knows Gatsby is doing something even worse than selling drugs now because his investigator is afraid to tell him about it and Nick looks at Gatsby and he says that he's startled because at that moment Gatsby looked as if he'd killed a man which is a rumor that was spread but Nick in this moment is like damn Gatsby actually looks like he's killed someone. So then Gatsby turns to Daisy and tries really hard to rectify the situation. And this is important because Gatsby is trying to grasp the last thread of his fantasy as it slips away. He's defending himself and Daisy's like quickly retreating back into herself. So Nick says he began to talk excitedly to Daisy, denying everything, defending his name against accusations that had not been made. But with every word, she was drawing further and further into herself. So he gave that up and only the dead dream fought on as the afternoon slipped away, trying to touch what was no longer tangible, struggling unhappily, undespairingly toward that lost voice across the room. Daisy was always just that voice to Gatsby. Don't you think? And now he's losing it. So he's freaking out. 
Anyway, Daisy talks to Tom. She is addressing Tom at this point because she's freaking out. And she's like, I want to leave. And Tom tells her to drive back with Gatsby. He knows that this flirtation is over. He's not going to bother you is basically what he says. So Gatsby and Daisy take the yellow station wagon home. That is recognized by everybody. The yellow station wagon is very distinguishable. Anyway, Tom, Nick, and Jordan leave soon after. And Nick says, so we drove on toward death through the cooling twilight, which means shit is about to go down. If it hasn't already. (laughs) Worse shit is about to go down. Okay, so now Nick starts telling us a story from the eyes of a man, and I don't know how to say his name. I looked it up, and I'm pretty sure it's Michaelis, but it's spelled like Michael with an I-S on the end, (laughs) Michaelis. But I think you pronounce it Michaelis, so that's how I'm going to say it. So he's telling the story through Michaelis's eyes. (laughs) He's the man who ran the coffee shop in the Valley of Ashes right by Wilson's car shop. Michaelis went to George Wilson's shop that day, and Wilson told him that he was keeping his wife locked up in her room until the next day when they were moving away. And Michaelis is like, "Uh, Wilson, I don't actually think you can do that. Is kind of the way that he reacts. Like, you probably shouldn't keep your wife locked up. And Wilson starts asking him questions about his whereabouts on certain days. And so Michaelis is like, okay, Wilson is clearly suspicious that his wife's having an affair with someone, but he doesn't know who, and it's clearly not Michaelis. So that night at 7 p.m., Michaelis goes back to talk to Wilson at his shop, but when he goes outside, he hears Myrtle yelling as she ran from the house and into the road just as a car passed and hit and killed her. And it's a bloody scene. Yeah, because the car didn't even slow down. It just sped up and disappeared. And Michaelis, Michaelis, I hate hate this name. Michael is. Michael is. Michaelis couldn't remember clearly the color of the car, but he told the police it looked light green. The newspapers called it the death car. Thank goodness his memory is flawed. Okay, so back in the car with Tom, Nick, and Jordan as they drive back from New York. They come up on this scene in the Valley of Ashes a little bit later. Tom stops and they can hear someone screaming. So he tries to make his way through the crowd to see what happens. And Nick says when he sees it that he makes a harsh sound in his throat. Okay, so Nick and Jordan make their way up through the crowd and they see Myrtle Wilson wrapped in blankets on the table, clearly dead. Wilson is standing in the doorway crying. Tom leans over Myrtle's body and starts asking the police what happened. The police say that a car hit her and didn't even stop. A random man walks up and tells the police that he saw the car. It was yellow. Oh, shit. Ding, ding, ding. If you haven't figured it out yet, (laughs) it was Gatsby's car. So Wilson overhears this. This man say that the car was yellow and he realizes that he knows the yellow car So Tom grabs Wilson and shoves him into his office and says that he just got in from New York and he's like, the yellow car isn't mine. I haven't seen it all afternoon. And this is a lesson in lying, Tom Buchanan, because you lied and told George that that yellow car was yours and now you could be wrongly convicted of murder, even though you should be convicted of murder. (laughs) The world would be a better place with you in prison, but... Don't lie and tell people that you own a yellow station wagon when you don't because maybe that yellow station wagon will later kill someone. That's the moral of the entire story. (laughs) (laughs) That is it. That's all you need to know. Tom, Nick, and Jordan leave, leave the garage or the shop 
oh my gosh, they leave the Valley of Ashes altogether and they drive back to Tom's house. Tom starts crying um, in the car and he says, the goddamned coward, he didn't even stop his car. So they get home or they get to Tom's house and see that Daisy's home. Tom forgot to take Nick home to West Egg, so he says he'll call him a cab. And Nick waits outside. He walks down the steps and is surprised to see Gatsby walk out of the bushes like a freaking creepo stalker. Psycho. If there's anything we've learned about Gatsby throughout this book is that he has zero shame or zero sense of like what is acceptable and what's not. And if he does have a sense of it, he does not give a fuck. Seriously. So Gatsby asks if they saw an accident on the way home and asks if she was killed. Nick says, yes, she was. Gatsby says, I thought so. I told Daisy I thought so. It's better that the shock should come all at once. She stood it pretty well. And Nick's like, what? (laughs) Why are you talking about Daisy? Because it seems as if Daisy's reaction is the only thing that matters to Gatsby, which isn't surprising, I guess, but... Gatsby tells him that he parked his car in the garage, doesn't think anyone saw him, and Nick asks him what happened. Gatsby says that he tried to turn the wheel, and in that moment, Nick realizes that Daisy was driving the car, which is kind of crazy. It just shows how terrible a person Daisy is. Okay, let me tell you Gatsby's side of the story, and then we can discuss Daisy's faults, because there are many. (laughs) So Nick's like, Daisy was driving, asks him, and Gatsby says, yes, But of course, I'll say I was. When we left New York, she was very nervous and she thought it would steady her to drive. And this woman rushed out just as we were passing a car coming the other way. It all happened in a minute, but it seemed to me that she wanted to speak to us, thought we were somebody she knew. Well, first Daisy turned turned away from the woman toward the other car and then she lost her nerve and turned back. The second my hand reached the wheel, I felt the shock. It must have killed her instantly. Daisy stepped on it. I tried to make her stop, but she couldn't. So I pulled the emergency brake. Then she fell over into my lap and I drove on. Okay, few things wrong with this. First of all, can't blame Daisy for losing her nerve and not running into the other car because I don't know what I would have done in that situation. Either way, someone's getting hurt, right? Because if you're driving down a road, a two-lane highway, a person runs out in the road and there's a car right next to you, Like, what do you do, right? Yeah, it's like you either turn the wheel or your foot hits the brake, but either one probably isn't going to fix both problems. So can't really blame her for that. But the other thing is, well, she should have stopped. And then Gatsby should have stopped. Like, she didn't stop. And then he's like, I pulled the emergency brake and then I drove on. Like, what do you mean you drove on? You turn back around. Anyway, the important thing about this is that we note that Myrtle was running into the street to talk to Tom because she saw Tom in the yellow car earlier that afternoon. She thought it was him coming back. She was trying to run out and say, my husband's trying to take me away. Please save me. And that's why everyone's testimony says it looked like she was trying to speak to the person in the car because she thought it was Tom. So it all goes back to Tom. It's his fault. That's the story from Gatsby's point of view. Gatsby tells Nick that he plans to wait outside Daisy's house until the morning. (laughs) He's just going to creep in the bushes until he knows that Daisy's okay. He told her to lock herself in her room, and if Tom gives her any trouble, she should turn the lights off and on again, and then he'll come save her or whatever, which is just, like, he's just wishful thinking, honestly. Still delusional at this point. Nick goes to look through the window and check on the house for Gatsby. 
and he sees Tom and Daisy sitting at the kitchen table eating dinner. Can you imagine going through a trauma like that and then being like, are you hungry? Let's have some fried chicken. Fried chicken. <laughs> That's literally what they're eating is fried chicken. Maybe it's not fried. Maybe it's just chicken. But it says they weren't happy and neither of them had touched the chicken or the ale. And yet they weren't unhappy either. There was an unmistakable air of natural intimacy about the picture. And anybody would have said that they were conspiring together. But they're sitting over their freaking dinner plates talking about how they're going to get out of this. And no one's crying. No one's crying. No one's throwing up. I would be puking. He says they weren't happy, but they weren't unhappy either. Like, they're, they're not crying. They're not visibly upset. The thing is, though, is they don't even really have to conspire. Like, they just know nothing bad is going to happen to them because they're rich and they have the status that they need. Like, they're untouchable because of that. So... Nick goes back to Gatsby, tries to get him to leave, but he won't. And so Nick says that he walked away and left him standing there in the moonlight watching over nothing. He thinks he's like watching over Daisy, making sure that she's okay. And she's eating chicken and drinking beer with her husband. After she killed someone in a hit and run. Exactly. Just like nothing happened. I'm fine. Everything's fine. Crazy chapter seven is over. Okay, that's the end of episode two of The Great Gatsby. In the next episode, we'll cover chapters eight and nine and go over themes. Go follow Brief Podcast on Instagram right now so that you can know when we post new books. And also send your syllabi to our email, hello at briefpodcast.com, so that we know what books you need briefed.